The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. The December 13th edition of the PFF forecast, we have got a heartfelt apology from someone other than me. We're going to talk about the most valuable running back in the NFL for 30 minutes. We have questions from the dark web. We're going to establish something, and then we're going to talk about the games this week. The games discussion will begin no longer than 10 minutes into this podcast. You have my word. That's that's me trying to make sure that there's a timestamp somewhere. Okay, so I'm going to set a timer. 10 minutes. You ready? All right, let's rock. Body's ready for it. All right, your apology. Let's go. What, yeah, you I'd do? like to say sorry to Doug Peterson uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles. I, this might help soften the blow from them losing Carson Wentz. Um, but on the Monday morning afternoon edition of the podcast that we had, uh, I ripped Doug Peterson for not going for two at the end of regulation uh, against the Cowboys. A little bit, maybe I was salty because we had, you know, Philly plus three and a half. Maybe I got exuberant because I like seeing two point conversions. I was not a good Bayesian in the, uh, you, you know, using their two point conversion uh, success over this last year. But as we, you know, uh, spun the numbers on, in your preparation for Sunday Night Football, it does appear that going for the extra point, as Doug said in his press conference, was the right move. I accept your apology. You on, accept. On it. behalf of Doug Peterson. All right. It is counterintuitive doesn't help that um there was some time left on the clock and their ability to cover the pass is miserably bad so all those things sort of worked into it and uh yeah it turns out he made the right decision so what what would be what if like if you half the time left what would it what was the threshold after which it was the right decision i didn't look um i do know if you felt you converted at a uh, 75 percent rate so if you converted your two-point conversions at a 75% rate, then it would have been a smarter yeah. decision. And we saw that Dallas basically got into field goal range even with the, the tie game, and then they got a sack or two. So I think the time left being the variable that I didn't quite appreciate uh, at the time. Yep. Well, it happens to the best of us. We're eight minutes to go before we talk about the games. Okay, the next thing that we're going to talk about is who the most valuable running back is it's not todd Gurley. it's not james white anymore it's not james white anymore see we're not just biased against todd Gurley. we're just telling the truth here we're trying um and uh it's actually gotten to the point where so many people hate todd Gurley or appear to hate todd Gurley. that i really like todd Gurley. i'm rooting for todd Gurley as a human being or as a running back as a human being but okay his 
a large part of his human identity is being a running back. There was somebody on Twitter who told me that he's been talking to running backs who are pissed off about the slander that we've been imparting on their position. Yeah. It seemed it seemed uh, apropos for Twitter. I mean, okay, that's just ridiculous. The most valuable running back in the NFL. It to me, if you if you understand how important the passing game is, it wouldn't be too hard to narrow this down. I think most people that have an understanding of how football works and what is valuable in terms of winning games could probably narrow it down to Saquon Barkley, Tariq Cohen, and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I think the the Tariq Cohen is the one that I think most people would have left out because of volume and, and all that kind of stuff, but he actually he is uh by a few, you know, hundreds of a win, the most valuable running back so far using our war metric. When you dig deep into the numbers, it's not terribly hard to see. He averages a half a yard more per carry after contact, which we know is what running backs uh, you know, control. He's averaging more than a yard per route run uh, in the passing game more uh, you know, than uh, Sa- Saquon Barkley is. And, and I think that really does spell what it is, right? When Cohen is in the game, he is generating value per everything he's doing more than Barkley, right? Because if Barkley's running a pass pattern and Eli Manning's not throwing him the football, chances are he's throwing him the football in more dangerous places, right? So he's on the field contributing in a, in a small fractional way to a lack of value to that offense. Whereas when Cohen's in, we saw that on Sunday Night Football, he was basically matched up as a wide receiver and he was the first read for Trubisky on a third down. Uh, so, you know, he's a he's a player that uh, has been very impressive. He also leads the NFL in punt return yards, and he has yet to take one to the house. So it's it's basically return for return. And we know in the kicking game, like 10 yards here, 10 yards there, those are extremely valuable. Uh, so that also cannot be overlooked in terms of Cohen's value. If you just don't commit a penalty, you could have that for your team yep. as well. Yep. He He is the best receiving running back, I think, in the NFL, I think, Christian McCaffrey and Barkley are very close. Um, but, he, I mean, he's just producing at a higher level. And I think you could make the argument with a quarterback that is as deficient as any out there. It's not like Eli Manning is that much worse than Mitch Trubisky. No, we're haters. Yeah, exactly. Um, Cohen is is catching the ball an average of 4.1 yards past the line of scrimmage. Um, sorry, is targeted an average of 4.1 yards past the line of scrimmage, which doesn't seem like a lot, but the average for running backs is less than a yard. Mm-hmm. Saquon is less than a yard. Uh, and that 4.1 is actually the highest since David Johnson in 2016, who was basically a receiver out there. So as and you he, mentioned... And he won our Best Receiver of the Year award for PFF that year. Yeah, which matters. Um, so yeah, it's Tree Cohen. If you watched Sunday Night Football and you came away from that being like, yeah, Todd Gurley's a better running back. You are ignorant. Um, all right, we have a question from the dark web. This really isn't a question. This is actually just matter from the dark web. Uh, and it is brought to us, as usual, by Sampo Ranta. Sampo Ranta is a sparkling water for men. Finally, you've seen a lot of flavors uh, and a lot of sparkling waters out there that aren't for men. And quite frankly, it's ridiculous. It's being left out. So Sampo Ranta came along and decided finally... We're going to cater to the most underrepresented uh, sector of America, which are football-watching men who love sparkling water. And they, of course, have a new flavor for every single week. And uh, this flavor this week 
is a pretty great one. It's established estrogen for when you need your significant other to respect your feelings so you can finally open up the playbook and go downfield into your past. Samplerant's established estrogen. Drink one, enjoy it, open up the playbook. All right. Damone Hardy. At Damone Hardy. His, his tweet has those clapping hand mm-hmm. emojis in there. So it... My, oh, can I... Can I? Uh, can you're going to interrupt interject? my yes. reading. The clapping hands, you really have to be right. It's a risky move. He has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. He has more than ten <laughs> clapping like the, hands. It's the same uh, thing as the say it louder for the people in the back. If you're going to wake me up in the back of the room, it better be for something profound. All right, I'm going to try and read it with the clapping hands. You think I can do it? No. All right. It doesn't matter where you pick as long. As you make the right pick. Impressive. Basically, he's saying it doesn't matter. <laughs> Draft position doesn't matter, Draft folks. position doesn't matter. Franchise players aren't always top five picks, nor top ten. But it is most likely, question mark? Yes, but as long as you do your homework and draft right, you'll be fine. You can always move up as well. <sighs> This is everything that is wrong with everything about the draft. Yeah, I mean, because here's the thing. Tom Brady went at 199. Yep. So, so I should you draft. can mess up your first 198 picks. And you hit on Brady. This is basically an or argument. Joe Webb. An argument that Saquon Barkley is a franchise player as well. And again, this is not meant to disrespect Saquon Barkley, who has been amazing. But when, when has a team rode its running back to the Super Bowl. I mean, that just does not happen. It's just not something that wins you football games. So as great as he is at that position, and he is doing an amazing job at it, as great as he is doing at that, he's you know just barely over a win above replacement level. And the guy that is better, has been more valuable than him, Tariq Cohen. Has played like 400 snaps. And uh, first, was he the seventh pick? Eighth pick? Oh, in the draft? Yeah. No, he was one one and a half. <laughs> uh, no, he yeah. was a fifth-round pick in the same draft as Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt. Uh, get Kareem Hunt, I mean, that one worked Dalvin out Cook? Well. Dalvin Vikings Cook. need to get Dalvin Cook the ball more. Yeah, this is a, a bad take, unfortunately. Leonard Fournette. I, yeah, feel, bad. I, mean, the, the I feel bad because we there's so much animosity built up now that the idea that you could have the wrong opinion, but like come to the right side by learning and admitting that you were wrong. It doesn't really work anymore. Yeah. The thing, the thing that's interesting about this and I'll, I'll end it here. There's a small grain of truth in, there's a small level of truth in the fact that the value of each draft pick does not fall off as much as people think, right? That's the Massey and Thaler, uh, you know, paper from like about 10 years ago. So, like, a second-round pick isn't worth as much less than a first-round pick as people think. Right. But the, val- the value certainly matters. Ask the Jets if they'd rather have Mayfield or Darnold at this point in time. Uh, it, certainly, it certainly matters. Well, you can always trade up. Yep. Um, okay, we're at 10 minutes. But I want to posit my idea about establishing the run because there's a lot of hatred out there about what happened in the Rams-Bears game 
the Rams didn't establish the run and therefore their play action game didn't work. It's one side of things. And then the math, of course, says, look, if you want to run play action, it actually, there's no mathematical reasoning as to why you need to establish the run, why you need to run the ball a first or run it successfully in order to be successful on play action. Now, you ready? I'm going to pitch this to you. My, I obviously those numbers are right. It's a large sample of games. And here's the reason that those numbers work out the way they do. Because the run is already established when the game starts. The run has been established for many, many, many years in the minds of every defender out there playing. It, they, do not, they do not care if you have a... You don't have to earn salvation. <laughs> they don't care. It's a gift that's freely established. They do not care if you've run the ball well. On the first, uh, first play of the game, they want to stop the run because it's so. important. It's right? important. Because the, the defenders are hearing the same thing everyone else is hearing, which is you need to establish the run. And so they go into the game thinking it's established. And that's why play action has worked perfectly fine, whether you've established the run or not. Now, it's still possible that a team can figure it out and say, actually, we don't care if you run. We're going to play the pass the whole game. And if you watched probably the 70 or so dropbacks that the Rams played uh, against quarters or two-man teams that are just you know dropping back and saying you know go ahead run the ball Goff really struggled he really struggled in this game he struggled for the past two games and that's what the bears can do because they have enough playmakers and they were able to just say screw it we don't care if you run the ball so when you run your little play action fake we're going to rush the passer and that's going to be that interesting so you are a you are an arminian with respect to the run game you can lose you can lose establishment, uh, and it's not predetermined. It, you know, it's 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 was there to begin with. That's interesting. I wonder. So, in terms of, we've had two really hot takes about the run the last two weeks. That fantasy football players are tilting, and that's why they like they want to see their team established run. Mm-hmm. And the run has already been established. A la the lie we always told our students when we were teachers that you start the class with an A. Yep, it's actually true in the NFL with respect to the run. There you go. I'm excited to hear people's thoughts. All seven of you, let me know. We're going to talk about games right now. Before we do, reminder, if you want to enjoy football games or any game that you're watching on TV, you want to head to mybookie.ag. They have in-game live betting. So even if you show up late to the party, there's still a nice reward for you when you do. Um, Use promo code PFF to get a dollar-for-dollar match on your first deposit. It's simple. PFF plus mybookie.ag. You play, you win. You get paid. Best game of the weekend now that Carson Wentz is out. Not, not, Rerun the not simulations. That, not that that was a better game necessarily anyways. Maybe it seemed better at the beginning of the season. Chargers-Chiefs, a rematch of week one when the Chiefs went in as, was it six and a half point underdog in uh, Los Angeles and whooped the Chargers. Now it's in Kansas City. The Chiefs are three and a half point favorites. Um, the the numbers on our side of things would say that's a little short. Chiefs should probably be more like four, four and a half. Yeah, and I think I think this is really just a good matchup for the Chiefs in the sense that where they're weakest, the the Chargers are not necessarily as able uh, to exploit them as they have in previous seasons. Their cornerbacks have played well this season relative uh, to previous years. Uh, Phillip Rivers has played terrifically under pressure this year, but we expect that to regress. 
uh, Chris Jones has nine sacks in nine consecutive games. D. Ford's been terrific. Justin Houston had a big play last week uh, against the Ravens. He's played well this season. And even though they struggle at linebacker, I don't necessarily think that the Chargers are going to be able to handle that. And offensively, they have the better quarterback. There are a litany of reasons that you just mentioned. On top of that, the Chiefs can actually clinch the uh, division here, whereas the Chargers, a good point that you brought up earlier, look, even if the Chargers win this game, the Chiefs have a couple of really... Okay, the Seahawks game is tough, um, but um, they will be favored in that game, and as long as they win that game and then Week 17, is it against Arizona? Um, uh, the Chiefs, or... Yeah, who do they play? Oh, sorry, yeah, Raiders. the Raiders. Yeah, so... Um, I, there is a, there is a scenario where the Chiefs have a difficult time on Thursday and then they go to Seattle. That's tough. That is literally the only situation in which, and then the Chargers winning out. That's the only situation where uh, the Chargers will win that division. Probabilistically, it's tough for them. Yeah, Mitchell Schwartz playing really well. He's going to have a uh, big task with Joey Bosa. But I mean, Mahomes was under pressure sixty or not sixty fifty five percent of the time uh, against the Ravens, and you know still squeaked them out. So. Uh, I think I think the Chiefs are the right pick here if I were just guessing, and the numbers would back that up. So should be a good one. Um, let's move on. Next one, we're going to try and go quickly through the games that suck. The Browns are visiting the Denver Broncos. They are a two, uh, sorry, a three-point uh, underdog in Denver against Case Keenum. The Broncos had played well in two games at home predictably and then poop themselves on the road predictably as the broncos do uh one of those big horse turds and now they're at home the browns coming off a win this is the most predictable time for the public to love the browns i don't disagree um at the same time though we look at we look at this game and as I wrote down, I, I went down and wrote the most valuable players for both teams. And I had to get past, obviously, Baker's the most valuable player for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I had to get past two IR'd players over the last week to get to the Denver's most valuable sure. player. Chris Harris, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, both on IR after the last, you know, basically week and a half or so. Mm-hmm. So very depleted team at very important positions uh, obviously, the altitude's a big deal, um, but you're right. I, th- I do think that Cleveland will be a very popular and public side. Yes. So, with that being said, um, I wonder if this I wonder if this comes down to two and a half. Wouldn't surprise me if it does. There is probably no way in hell that I would take the Broncos because I think Case Keenum is bad. Um, but that being said. The home field advantage in Denver is real, and their defense, even without Chris Harris Jr., is strong. And the Browns are a young team that is sporadic. They're all over the place. So we saw Baker, who was great a couple weeks ago, and then in Houston, he was not great. So be be warned. Maybe the over is nice nice side here. 45.5 right now. Um. Broncos run the ball, I think, a bit too much for that to be really, uh, you know, but they are successful doing it. So that that's the trap you get into is they run the ball, they drain clock. Yeah, there you go. Oh, another great game. Houston visiting New York. They're playing the Jets. 
the Jets are a home dog. They're getting six points. Um, is this finally the time to be on the side of the Texans? Uh, I think that this is a bit too many uh, to go um, to go with Houston on the road. Although the Jets, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how many consecutive good games they can put together here. It's tough. It's tough. I, I think he, it's Houston has not done enough to dispel the public love that they're undoubtedly going to get in this game. And I'm sure no one watched. There's probably half the people that are betting on this game probably don't know that the Jets won last week. Yeah. I, I really don't know if they do. So there's that. Um, the Jets are the right side. Home team getting six points. Yeah, I think I think we're a no pick here, which I really actually like. Be able to sit back and watch and enjoy Deshaun Watson uh, rather than having to root against him for yet another week. There's that. Oh, my God, this game sucks. Arizona, Atlanta, the Falcons. Pass. <laughs> Falcons are nine point uh, favorites. This to me seems like a repeat of Arizona at Green Bay. Just gonna say. Yeah, Arizona. Arizona somehow lost to Detroit last week at home. Just gonna throw that out there. All right. Uh, Detroit. Speaking of going to Buffalo. Wow, this game sucks. Yeah, but uh, just like we had a, a week ago, we like Detroit money line. We like Detroit spread. We had them at Arizona. They go on the road again. All of those outdoor practices, George, are going to pay off. Going to pay off here in Buffalo. That's right. Um, the Lions were an abomination last week, but I don't think that they should be underdogs to a team that has the most valuable running back from this last draft playing quarterback for them. <laughs> you are correct. Josh Allen actually has made a few decent throws these past few weeks. Yeah, it hasn't been bad. Pass rating under pressure of 37.8, about where you'd expect. More turnover-worthy plays than uh, big-time throws, also what you'd expect. And Matt Stafford is uh, about between 15 and 20 in terms of where you'd uh, rank quarterbacks. Again, what you'd expect. Him and Kirk Cousins just hanging out up north. Green Bay, Chicago. This is a decent game. The uh, Bears at home, they're off that big win against the Rams. Green Bay getting six points. I really like the Packers here. And I I can just see, I mean, I can't just see, I've heard it. The Chicago Bears Super Bowl train is rolling, man. Choo-choo! Yeah, they're excited about it. Defense wins all of a sudden, in Ch- case you didn't know. Not only wins random Sunday night football games, but wins championships a proven fact so uh, can you try and t- can you talk me off the Packers cliff Brian Bulaga is questionable with a knee um, Aaron Rodgers questionable yeah, questionable period um, let me look I don't I this no the sneaky thing for me here Chicago we know how important slot cornerbacks are Bryce Callahan out foot IR like it just isn't it kind of funny that all these teams that have these like defenses that pop up oh funny their slot cornerbacks are really good uh last year with Patrick Robinson this year uh Bryce Callahan um I think I think we saw I, I think Green Bay rolls here 
Yeah, I don't see Jacksonville North stopping Aaron Rodgers. Just don't see that happening. Bortles, Bortles Midwest. Yep. That's it's not going to happen. Bears fans are going to be pumped. I have a friend that's a Bears fan. He's going to love this take. Yeah, this is Jacksonville North, so which means they're going to go to the uh, NFC Championship game. Oh, interesting. So there's that. Um, Oakland. Oh, my God. Oakland at Cincinnati. Uh, here's a good question. Over on uh, Which will be higher, the total number of points in the game or total number of people that will voluntarily watch this game on television? Oh, on television, because we know our colleague Austin Gale is bringing his dad to this game, both being from Oakland. So there will at least be two people in the stands. Um, we know Baker Mayfield's not playing in this game, so Neil Hornsby will not be there. Uh, people that watch it on television. Who is watching this game on TV? Uh, me. Because because, because we want that five and a, the over five and a half wins for the Bengals. I've been feeling it for months. I think this is the one that gets them over the hump, George. Bengals favored by three. Which side would you go? Hedge with Oakland. <laughs> yeah, I think Oakland's the right move. Derek Carr is He's been not he, as as bad as he is, has been better than He's not been an the, abomination the last abomination few years. that we expect him to be. And Jeff Chris, Driscoll oh he has been as bad as you'd expect him to be. Driscoll Driscoll with that phantom non touchdown that cost us the over last week is still stinging. He actually threw the ball pretty well, I thought a week ago. Um, that offense. Oh, gave tell me, me some more. more. That offense gave me some hope. The next game is a watchable game. Dallas at Indy. This was almost a Sunday night game, by the way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully the Eagles held yeah, on yeah. just long enough. I was in Indianapolis man. a couple weeks ago. It's a lovely town. It's not. Do you owe someone in Indy something? No. Are you hoping to get a, a key to the city? <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> Interestingly about this game is the, it's a lovely town. Is the look ahead? That's the worst take ever. <laughs> Indianapolis is a lovely. Listen, town. just like the run is established a priori, something the the town starts as lovely and then it has to lose lovely. I think by you calling it a town probably says everything we need to know about it. Man, that is wow, wow. Now I can't trust anyone. What do you, you hate say. more, Indianapolis or the run game? I don't hate Indianapolis. I just would never go there voluntarily. So they're the same. Sure. You would never run voluntarily. Indianapolis represents the run well. And I love Andrew Luck. I like their team a lot. This look-ahead line going into the week was a pick and now it's Colts minus three. I think the Colts have been the recipients of the most knee-jerky lines all year. Yeah, I'd agree. Everyone loves the Andrew Luck comeback story, the Frank Reich story. What's weird about this to me, and I, I, don't, I wonder if you... I have an idea why Dallas should be the team that is getting all the public love and all this stuff. Right. Uh, am I wrong? This I could. So honestly, this is the type of game I could see where Dallas wins like 10, three and we get this soliloquy about how defense is back. Cause like luck just lost six, nothing to the Jags, right? Like they have that in them, <laughs> you know? And I think Dallas, you know, playing on the road here comes in, and you know establishes the run establishes their defense and uh and and we get this like long diatribe about how uh Dallas you know Dallas can win quote unquote with their defense uh there's 
no chance that I am taking Dak Prescott against Andrew Luck voluntarily. Even with points. If I had to take a side, though, if I'm forced to pick this game and I'm getting three, I think I might go Cowboys. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, Another terrible, awful, miserable game. Oh, by the way, going forward, would you rather have Dak Prescott or Andrew Luck? I'm sorry? Dak Prescott or Andrew Luck? No, no. What? <laughs> <There's> no... <laughs> Look, Skip would rather have Dak Prescott. You know why? Mental and physical toughness. Skip doesn't think Indianapolis is lovely, though. My favorite part about Skip Bayless tweeting that he'd rather have Dak Prescott than Andrew Luck is he cited big playability. And I, that makes me wonder if he's ever seen Dak Prescott throw the ball downfield. Dak, like Amari Cooper, the, the Cowboys offense left 150 yards on the field by Dak Prescott. Wild overthrows in that game. Like if Michael Gallup gets overthrown by 15 yards again, like he should, he should like provide a lawsuit to go back in the draft and get drafted by a team with a quarterback who can hit an open throw. That is a flaming take. Right? Sure. The Eagles should have lost by 30 in that game if Dak could hit a throw. I mean, that was my point. I just don't know if Skip was watching the game because... Dak's Dak's really good at running the zone read, and and he's got the balls to throw deep. That's all I'll say. Well, now he does. The question mark here is T.Y. Hilton questionable with an ankle. He banged that up pretty bad against Houston. That was a must-win game for them against Houston. So... um, it's not as if the Cowboys didn't have a must-win game-ish against Philly. It wasn't quite as dire, and it wasn't nearly didn't feel nearly as draining watching the game. You know, T.Y. Hilton's a kind of a light guy. He he came out there after getting hurt. He came back on the field, so uh, that would worry me a lot. If T.Y. Hilton can't go, they do not have a lot of other receiving options. Here's a question. In the Washington and Jacksonville game, who's the better quarterback? Uh, it might still be Alex Smith. So, uh, In his current situation, it might be Alex Smith. So here's another game. So I, I haven't been going through these as much. That's fine. But the, the Washington-Jacksonville uh, game is another game where both of the team's most valuable players are not playing. Alex Smith for Washington and weirdly Bortles for Jacksonville was grading well. The two most valuable players in this game are Calais Campbell and Zach Brown who for for each team, which tells you all you need to know about the game. Josh Johnson first start since 2011. The over under on this game is 36. I think it's the lowest lined over under in like 5 years. Should be great. So with that being said, that low of a total with the Jags favored by seven. You blindly bet Washington. Just, yeah, take Washington. I mean, Don't watch a second of this game. man. Emphasis on blind. Miami at Minnesota. How are the Vikings favored by seven? Can you explain that to me? Yeah, I think that so the Dolphins' most valuable player this year has a war of .5. Okay. Right, so there's... Was that supposed to make me feel like, oh, yeah, the Vikings should be favored by seven? No, but but the Dolphins are a team, and then, like, they're, and, like, Albert Wilson's out for the year, right? He was one of their explosive players. The Dolphins seem to me like a He's very— He's been out for ten weeks now. Right, but he was one of their most valuable players before he got hurt. Okay. 
the Dolphins are a very fluky bunch, mm-hmm. especially without Xavier Howard. I think he probably be out for for this game and some more games. They're, I think, on paper, not a very good team. Um, that being said, they just beat the Patriots. Fluky, but they, they just did so. And I think there's a significant number of people who still think the Vikings are good. Oh, really? Yeah. You would know. I would know. <laughs> you would know. I'm, I'm, I got my ear to the floor on Vikings Twitter because I have dared. I've dared to be a Daniel. I've dared to stand alone on the Vikings and saying they're, they're, not, a, uh, they're not a Super Bowl caliber team. And I've heard it. Who do so the Vikings week seventeen is against the Bears. They have the Lions in Pontiac next week. So they have the Lions. So at the Silverdome. Okay, so right now they're six, six and one. Mm-hmm. No, they're ten and three. <laughs> Kirk has taken them God. to depths. Only Case Keenum has oh been able to take God. them to. No one cares. Uh God, you're <laughs> You have no time for the... Well, no, but I've heard you talk a lot. I, first off, I watched the game with you. The, the whole game. We watched the whole game. We did. I got a whole dose of Eric and Kirk Cousins. It was amazing. It was very enjoyable. I had a blast watching the game with you, by I the way. I had a great time. Um, but... I think the whole town had a great time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I agree. Okay. So help me understand this, though. The Vikings are a seven-point favorite. Well, I mean, if you just look at like, so for example, they're we, real. Okay, well, sorry. The point that I was trying to get to was if they lose this game, does winning out still get them in? I think so. It would, right? Cause if because if then look, they'd be, then they'd be um, eight, seven, and one. Well, and not only well, and not that tiebreakers matter. The only tiebreaker that would matter for them would be if they were to tie with Green Bay. But losing to an AFC team is not as bad as losing to a to an NFC, NFC team. team. But their 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 competition for this last spot is the Eagles at six and seven without their quarterback. Yep. The Washingtons at six and seven without their quarterback. The Packers at five seven and one, and the Panthers at six and seven. Panthers quarterback is just probably a bad hit to the shoulder away from being out. So the Vikings could very well finish 8 and the Panthers play the Saints twice. Yeah. So so the Vikings very well could finish 8-7 and 1. And the maybe the only person that works for the Vikings coaching staff that has a clue how the modern NFL game is played just got fired. Yeah, I mean that that's a disaster. Talk about daring to well, be a Daniel. So Mike Zimmer has done incredibly well as a defensive coach. He's at the top of our defensive metric every year. But this is a disaster an absolute disaster you have this guy who clearly knows nothing about nothing from an offensive standpoint he's over here citing total number of rushes and record after total number of rushes in production meetings with Tess Witt and Boog which by the way might be porn hearing Mike Zimmer talk to Tess Witt and Boog about the importance of running the football I think it's porn. I think I think Boog you, you did uh, I moan think, a little bit. I think, Fra- <laughs> I think Frazzers might put that up there, and it's just it's it's Boog and his fingers. <laughs> Tess with the five o'clock shadow, fresh off the oh, Lomachenko bout. Wit is just he's just so excited that he's gonna have Zim, something to talk about. We have the same about. color skin, and it's for two different reasons. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that, but um. 
But yeah, Zimmer trying to tell John Filippo, a guy that just won the Super Bowl last year with a crappy quarterback and a crappy running game. Yeah, and a and a not so great running game that you need to run the ball more when your offensive line couldn't block me and you in the run game. I have a six swim move is an absolute disaster. And you just paid this quarterback a ton of money, and your answer to why you're losing games is that you're not you're, running the ball. You're enough. losing games because your best receiver can barely run. Yeah. And your other best receiver is getting triple teamed, and your tight end is slower than me. So that that's why. And you're and You know what's weird? When that happens, you probably want to avoid third and longs, which means you should probably not run the ball on if your quarterback is iffy he should be throwing on early downs when the defense thinks you might pass or run right and not yes the thing the vikings are the worst team in the nfl in epa per early down run play the the solution is not to run more why would you not do it more because then you'll get better at it regression to the mean bad practice makes perfect i believe is the saying interesting yeah (laughs) interesting Uh, i'm taking the dolphins the Vikings are a dumpster fire. I love this game. This is a game that I think is sneaky good. Okay. Tennessee goes to East Rutherford. I just tell them to say East Rutherford. Tighten up. As well, tighten higher than you have tightened before. They're 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 two and a half point dogs to a five and eight Giants team that has I think we can do I think we can give them the seal of approval right now. The Giants have established the run. They have. Um, Tennessee, though, on the other hand, established. They need like what we need is um, one of those uh, seals for letters. Back in the old days, so you yeah. melt some wax and then you get a stamp and you put it on. And there. The only way when when the first time that play action doesn't work, you have to rip open the envelope and and reestablish. You have to reestablish. Yeah. Titans last week established the run too with Derrick Henry. Uh, doing his best Earl Campbell impression for what are the actual Oilers. Actually, really what that was was more proof of my uh, thesis where it's just all about if the defense gives a you-know-what or not because the Jaguars didn't even exist on the field. That was true. How 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 predictable was the Jaguars driving the length of the field, getting to the three-yard line, and jamming Leonard Fournette up the gut three times on third down, running a bootleg, Leonard Fournette almost made it back to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, well, when you have, I mean, you have to. He's the fourth overall pick. You have to use him somewhere. So, can you imagine still saying that that was a good pick? Well, I mean, as people as people have told us on Twitter, we're, we just we just don't like the uh, we just don't like the Jaguars. We haven't we listed the receivers low. We've listed their offensive line low. We list, we hate their quarterback. The yeah. one that doesn't even start for them anymore. Yeah. I mean, all those guys were clearly yeah. good. Yeah. So okay, why are we talking about the Jags Titans? Because, because we want the Giants under to hit, and okay. it requires the Titans to have an effort here. So the Giants are two and a half point favorite. Odell Beckham is questionable still with a quad injury, among other things. Yeah. Um, what other things? I don't know. What else has he done? Ever. Besides eat some pizza. And snag one-handed passes. And hang out on a boat. Yeah, what's the record that since the boat? Picture, the picture on the boat gets better and better every week. Because everything about it gets more and more departed from how reality is right now. And eight dudes on a boat wearing Timberlands and uh, baggy... Actually, maybe they're not baggy I like jeans. the R accentuation there. Yeah. 
um, is incredible. It's it's, it's, a ma- it's magical. I'm going to look at it right now. All okay. Right. If you had to take this game, Giants are favored by two and a half. Tennessee. Yep. Moneyline, ATS, all that stuff. Okay. Wow. Going all in. Tampa uh, Bay at Baltimore. The Lamar Jackson show rolls on. Who's Joe Flacco playing for next uh, next year? Tampa Bay. <laughs> Not a bad call. Who's Jameis Winston playing for next Baltimore. year? Baltimore. Backup. You need to have an athletic backup behind Lamar Jackson. This is actually a really good question. Do you think the Buccaneers... Listen, Jameis Winston is very, very talented. He's leading the NFL right now in percentage of positively graded throws. His EPA per dropback is not embarrassing, et cetera, et cetera. He needs to go somewhere and change the scenery, change his habits, because there's a lot of talent there. The difficult part for him is that he chose a very terrible era to be a shaky franchise leader. If he was this talented in the in the early 2000s or even the middle of the last decade, he would be gobbled up so fast, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's like, well, who like could he go to Cincinnati? Could he oh go my to God. Oakland? I can't think of a worse partnership or maybe a better partnership. I'm I'm looking at a list of teams here that um, could need a quarterback, and I have a real interesting one for you. Minnesota. <laughs> Again, no one cares. <laughs> the Giants. Can you imagine he and Odell? The That'd Giant, be so explosive. The Giants aren't going to get a good enough pick to get the best quarterback if Herbert comes out. If Herbert doesn't come out, those quarterbacks probably aren't that great. And they all get pushed to the front of the draft. Yep. Yeah, I don't mind it. You're welcome. What about uh, God, What about? There's Denver. Yeah, there's Denver. There's, eh. there's Detroit. I was going to say Detroit. <laughs> uh, there's o- Oakland is another one. If I could pick where James Winston would be best served uh, throughout the rest of his career, Las Vegas, Nevada, is number one, two, three, four, five, six, over seven, under, eight, over nine, under and the, on ten. the number of Jamarcus Russell comparisons. If James goes to Oakland, not enough, <laughs> not enough. Uh, the Ravens are favored by eight in this game after a pretty strong showing against Kansas City. And I, again, have real trouble thinking that the Ravens should be favored by this many points, given Lamar Jackson's ankle injury. The reason that is, is that so much of what Lamar Jackson does is running the football and so much of that value. And as a passer, it hasn't been exactly beautiful. Nearly 5% of his dropbacks have resulted in turnover-worthy play. Just 2% of his dropbacks have resulted in a big-time throw. Of course, big-time runs are something that he has been doing with regularity, and it has allowed him to make some pretty simple throws mm-hmm. that he had that he executed against Kansas City. So if he were fully healthy, I'd feel a little more agnostic about this game. But given that I don't think he's fully healthy, I think um, that, that the Buccaneers are at least the side you want to be on. Here's here's the here's another nice one. Tampa Bay the last two weeks, both at home, so granted, have forced turnover have been a good enough defense to capitalize on inaccurate passes, right? Mm-hmm. They intercepted uh they intercepted Drew Brees. Cam Newton four times, Drew Brees a few times. If you know, if Flacco or or, or um I almost said RG three, uh, uh, by the way, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson Put the ball in harm's way. The Tampa Bay is not a disaster enough defensively not to be able to take advantage of it. 
facts. Uh, the two the two quarterbacks who have thrown uh, passes, targeted passes, at or past the sticks above 50% of the time, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis Winston. The only two. Next guy is Goff at like 48%. I just think it's great how perfect those two quarterbacks are from starter to backup. They're basically the same guy. Here's the next game. I, I only want to say this to make up for a mistake I made earlier this week. Oh. Okay. Seattle goes to San Francisco. Yep. They are four and a half point favorites. We like Seattle, but here's the here's the thing that I remember most about this matchup. It culminated last season in the first ever Jimmy Garoppolo San Francisco touchdown That's pass. True. And so while I made an error earlier this week by mentioning his name, I'm I'm bringing it back to something good. I remember it. Rolled out to the left. Seahawks, Ten were, seconds Seahawks left. were covering the hell out of that spread. <laughs> and and the Niners couldn't even, the back door wasn't even open. And Jimmy was just like, You listen, guys. Miracles do happen. My my public ministry is is beginning. And uh rolled left, snuck that was it Trent Taylor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I really have to say. I mean, obviously Seattle I think is a little bit of a paper champion right now. They they're they're winning, they're covering a lot. I they're in the lower quarter of the NFL in terms of like early down defense and stuff like that. So I think the, they will regress. The Niners are plucky, but I think we saw the top end of their distribution last week. I think they come down to the pack a little bit this week. The Niners need to lose this game, and they need to lose it badly. So I would expect Kyle Shanahan to do what he needs to do. The best game of the weekend, not played on Thursday, is New England at Pittsburgh. The Patriots are a point and a half favorites which is interesting because i have seen pittsburgh as the favorite in some places it's yeah. kind of all over the place right it's right around to pick them this is a really interesting game ben roethlisberger is questionable with a rib injury and other things and uh <laughs> and tom brady is getting old real fast gronk however far older Jeez, Gronk couldn't. Gronk looks like an injured tackle out there, and that's not a good thing for the Patriots. No. Okay, you have to take one side of this game. Who are you going with, and why? Uh, New England. The thing about the Patriots is, I think that games like this are just not like we see. The mistake we made last week, I don't think we actually did. I thought they were the right side, but the the the, the sample paths were. What happens last week happens, or just they sleep. Brandon Bolden gets 60 yards and two touchdowns on them because, well, you know, Belichick doesn't go the extra mile, right? All that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. The, he He's going to turn every single stone this week. Uh, Big Ben injured, you know, Antonio Brown. Like, so think about it. Antonio Brown is not playing as well as Juju Smith-Schuster this year, right? 31 out of 32 coaches are still going to emphasize Antonio Brown. Bill Belichick is going to be the one that's ahead of the curve and and puts, you know, puts their best corner on Juju Smith-Schuster and lets Antonio Brown beat them, right? Because that's like the sharp thing to do, right? I think this is a game where we see Belichick uh, at his best. Brady, Gronk, they were not the reason they lost last week. I thought that they were actually pretty good offensively. Yes, they were. And and so I I see and Pittsburgh is already Pittsburgh's benching Mike Hilton as their slot guy, they're they're a mess defensively. They gave up a ton of points uh, to uh, not only the Chargers but the Raiders. Pittsburgh is a mess. Pittsburgh Low is a mess. mess. And here's the thing: I will take Tom Brady and Bill Belichick against Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin, whether this game is played in New England, 
whether the game is played in Pittsburgh, I'm still taking Brady and I was Belichick. Just tell a bad joke, but I didn't. Bro. Philadelphia now without uh, Carson Wentz. So Nick Foles comes in. This spread has now jumped to 11. The Rams favored by 11. And I like the Eagles far more getting 11 with Nick Foles than I did getting 8.5-9 with Carson Wentz. Agree or disagree? Well, George, all I need to do is look at how Nick Foles composed himself in a field goal drive last year in L.A. to win that game uh, against the the Rams. And, and uh, all, that's all I need to know. Nick is Nick's. You know, he's got the Super Bowl in him, man. You, you got to let Nick be Nick. You got to let Nick be Nick. This is too perfect because the game where Nick Foles came in last season was this game in Los Angeles. They went on to win the Super Bowl, and nothing would be better than this happening again. Nothing, nothing in the world would be better than this. Unfortunately, a, the Eagles' defense. Question though: Are the Rams going to be good enough this week to fully establish the run? It's interesting because the Eagles have a defensive front that should also not really care about the run game. The issue, shockingly, is whether they can stop the pass because now the Rams are at home. That probably helps their O-line a little bit. And Jared Goff has proven that he's not nearly as terrible as he was last week. So can those cornerbacks stay within five feet of the Rams running backs, and if not, then it's going to be a long day. If they can, I think this could be a close game. So there you have it. Monday night, the Saints go to Carolina. What seemed like a great game, I don't know, five weeks ago, now the Saints are favored by six. This probably, the Panthers may be a favorite like six weeks ago. Can you think of a more improbable win total than the Panthers under nine? Like, Halfway through a season, um, so they were at six and two. Under nine was like, you know, it's just just really, you know. And then they, I, I think, under nine is probably a lock now. Yeah, you know that it'd be really interesting. I'm not like dug deep enough into the Panthers, um, partially because they haven't been on Sunday Night Football and will not be on Sunday Night Football this season. It does not appear. Rats. Yeah, real bummer. Two, like they just had such a promising this number is start. Actually, this number has actually moved down. People have been in support. It looks like of the Panthers. Of the Panthers here, I don't mind. I mean, honestly, like at at home at, Cam, in a division Cam's game. game, right? Like he and then the Saints. The thing about the Saints, granted, they did cover and they won uh, against against the uh, against uh, Tampa Bay last week, but they have not been sharp. You know, this is their third consecutive road game. Um, it, you know, it, it it's it's something to monitor for sure. Uh, they have you know some injuries here. Armstead's questionable. Uh, the Panthers they've gotten a lot out of McCaffrey. They've gotten a lot of their first round pick uh, more at, at receiver. Um, but you know Newton right now, two point five percent of his throws are big time throws. Four point six are turnover worthy plays. He just hasn't been good enough this year, unfortunately. After a great start, I have news for you. Oh yeah. Big news. Lewis Riddick picked the Bears to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this season. So it is the Which is great news for me because I own some Bears futures. That's true. I feel worse about them now than I did at the beginning of the season because my Bears futures were based on Mitch Trubisky taking the next step, 
which he has not, unfortunately. Well, okay. This is a good, I think, discussion to end the podcast. Do you think Mitch Trubisky has improved? No. Okay. Because I guess maybe I'm, I, I thought so little of him going into the year. I actually think Trubisky has been encouraging in his improvement. The problem is, is he's been lapped by every quarterback that's in his cohort. Interesting. So that's an interesting point. Because I, I think you hold him up next to Mahomes. You hold him up mm-hmm. next to Watson. You hold him up next to the what you would expect a quarterback of a 9-4 and four team to be. Mm-hmm. And he he pales in comparison. Yeah, to me. But I thought he was bad last year, and I thought he's at least had his moments this year. Which he's had two good two good he's, games. He's been. In, I, I would I would yeah. I fall short of even saying encouraging, but I thought he's improved. It's it's tough because at home against a Rams defense and that, the Vikings defense. Uh, yeah, I mean the Rams defense is not good enough. To where you should just be, especially with Aaron Donald getting blocked up all game. Yep. Um, and he threw some bad passes in that game. I just don't think he's actually throw for throw improved. His grade certainly doesn't no. show it. He's in and the same cluster as he was last year. So uh, to me, that's worrisome. I, I think Lewis Riddick is making that pick based on the Bears' defense. And if we know anything about defense, it's just simply not a consistent part of football. So if they stay hot, he's going to look real smart, and all the people that uh, you know base whether a decision was right on the result, the, they'll be happy. If we look back at this in February when we're going into the Super Bowl, the teams that we're going to look back on and say, "Wow, did we overreact to how that team is doing in, in December?" It's going to be teams like Dallas. It's going to be teams like Chicago. It's going to be teams like Baltimore right now on a nice little run. The teams the teams that, you know, last season it was the Saints. The Saints had a stretch where they played terrific defense, and their defense fell off a little bit, and then they did it well, right? And, like, the teams that we're overreacting to right now are teams that are playing plus defense. Yep, and that's, that's why earlier this week I said I think if I had to take one team to win the Super Bowl, it would be the Chiefs. Victory is, is yeah, ours. Yeah, you, you're welcome. <laughs> You've basically just won the Super Bowl. Uh, if you had to take one team to win the Super Bowl right now, who would you go with? Uh, I, I oh, want to say wants the Chiefs. to say it so I, bad. So here's the thing. He I think it's it. the Saints because I think we're he over. I think we're going to be. I think we're going to be overreacting to the Saints' small little blip in the in the radar this month. Okay. And, and in January, we're going to look back and say, wow, did we overreact to some random Thursday game in a random half in Tampa Bay? Okay. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, the Chiefs, Super Bowl champions of 2018. Great. We'll be back with you on Monday. No, we're going to record uh, late night uh, after the game. Great news for me is it's on the West Coast, so it actually won't be the middle of the night for me. This is fantastic. Uh, anyways, so make sure you download on Monday morning. We'll be with you. Talk about week 16 games and have a great week 15. Peace out. Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. 
With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.